Welcome to episode 133 of the 200 Churches Podcast. I had a pastor friend, he was pastor of another small church not, not far from where I lived, and we'd gotten to know each other. He committed suicide. My wife said to me at that time, David, you're not thinking of the same thing, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, it certainly has occurred to me, but I didn't go for help. Hmm. I just thought I could tough this out. Yeah. But when he left his wife and small children behind, and his kids were the same age as my kids, I looked at my kids and I thought, my, I know how he felt. I know why he did that. But how could he do it? You don't have to. You don't have to suffer. Taking drastic steps is not the way to get out of suffering. The most drastic step you can take is go to see your doctor. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Andy and Barney of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is a very special episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig. I'm Jeff Cady, and this is a special best of August 2015 edition. This is, we said we were going to do it, we introduced the idea that this was happening, and here we are. It's August, and we are releasing a best of 200 Church Podcast. We poured through the first 130 episodes we really did. of our podcast, and we have chosen four, and these four we've chosen because they made such an impact on you listeners when we released them we, the first time. We used a very advanced formula. We used a very uh, complicated algorithm, yep. and then we used nepotism. A little bit of nepotism. And then we came out with these answers. So, <laughs> so the very first one today, and this is, this is weird. Johnny was very reluctant because Johnny is actually related to our guest today on the podcast. I, I, yes. Through blood, actually. Yeah, the, the uh, nepotism, yeah. Yeah, the, our guest today is David Craig. The father of Jonathan Craig. The one and only. And David talks to us today about depression in ministry. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, ministry encouragement for small church pastors is our tagline. Right. And you say, well, you're, we're talking about depression. Well, that's not very encouraging. It is encouraging to those of you who have struggled with depression and feel like there's something wrong with you. Absolutely. And we I was honestly I was shocked at the number of downloads and the uh the reach of his episode, but he talks with with real passion about depression and what it does to a person and then then particularly how it affects somebody who's in ministry. Right. And I, I I'll never forget I asked him uh something to the effect of uh so how long have you been past it now? You know how long have you been over it? And he said to me, I, "I I'm not past it, right?" And you're going to hear it in this episode. And yeah. he's like, "This is something that this is a chronic thing that I that I live with, yeah. that I have to manage." Yeah, absolutely. And and my dad and I, we've had a lot of conversations uh, about this. He's been very open and honest in his journey. And uh, yeah, it was it was an episode that struck a chord with people. It really was. And I, I was hesitant resistant i I didn't want people to think oh best of and the first one they're running up is you know johnny's dad it's not really like that 
it's, um, it's only he's only the first one because as we were as I was filling in my little piece of paper with all of our podcast dates, <laughs> we had put a different one in there, and so when we decided to put that in, it just happened to be the first week yeah. of August. Yeah, absolutely. So and they're in no order of importance or anything like that. This is a best of though. It really is. You you will get something out of this podcast. We guarantee it. If you listen to it before, listen to it again because every time you listen, Jeff, you say this all the time. You hear something new. Yeah, and you I th- hear something different. And I think in this episode, you got you've got to take off. I do. Something's yeah. going on with your kids, yep, and I had you to had leave. to take off in the middle of it. Yeah, and I got to have some some private conversation with your dad about you. Yeah, what makes me tick? <laughs> in fact, I told him. I said, "Hey, hey, share with our listeners some some story about Johnny that you know." None of us would know, and he and he and he shares a story. And I I thought it was is it the shoe it, in the river. No, 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 it wasn't that. But it, it was a, it was an interesting story for me to hear. Oh, you know. I remember what story. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, yeah, from okay, your dad. Okay, okay. So, so if you've you know if you've ever struggled with uh, depression, uh, you this this will resonate with you, and hopefully you'll find encouragement in it. And if you know of a pastor who struggles with depression, you know this isn't something generally that just gets prayed away. Right, you know, it's it's just not like that. It's like it's like pray, trying to pray away your your diabetes, or trying trying to pray away your your high blood pressure or whatever. Right. There's other things that we do to manage those kinds of situ- right. life's right. health situations. So uh, we're ready to go. I let's, think we're ready. Let's jump right into it. Here is uh, David Craig. We are here with one of just, one of my favorite people in the world. On the phone today. Now, Jeff, I don't expect him to be one of your favorite people in the world. Uh, Johnny, know. he's my favorite person because he produced you wow. for me. That's that's nice. Yeah. We so got, I'm thankful. <laughs> we've got my dad, David Craig, on the phone, on the podcast. Dad, tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, what you're doing, and talk a little bit about how long you spent uh, doing small church ministry because you're, you're like a pro. You're like an expert at this. Well, I am a pastor who's been a pastor for a long, long time. I've done small church ministry. I've pastored a number of churches. Uh, I was a specialist as an interim pastor, and so I did more churches than some people would do because that was an area that I specialized in. But they were all small churches. My largest congregation ever, I suppose, was 60-some. And I've been doing that since 19... 19- 78. You are an expert in small church ministry. That is huge. They say that the average pastor quits five years in. You went from 1978 till 2000, what, eight? I mean, you, you did 30 years? I'm still doing it. You're still, right, yeah. I mean, not necessarily in the context of a Sunday morning service small church, but you, you still serve. What are you, what are you doing now? I still have a small church. Uh, I have a church that runs 14. We meet every Thursday afternoon. Uh, and my last small church, we started a program at a senior citizen's housing project. That's been going on now for eight years there. They're all getting older and they're not getting out and going to church anymore. They're, they're all independent living. They're not in nursing home or anything. But they have asked me, and I've continued to go there, and we have a service every Thursday afternoon. In addition to that, uh, I write books. How many books have you written now, Dad? I have five published and the sixth one will be published this fall. Dad, we, we want to talk to you about uh, about uh, one of your books, The Bird Sang a Sad Song. There's a title here, Buffalo Stampede, Bird Sang a Sad Song. What's the title? What's the subtitle? Talk us through the title, 
What what does it mean? What what are you talking about? And kind of what's the heart of the book? Uh, Buffalo Stampede is a description of what it feels like to be overwhelmed by depression. Somebody asked me once, what does it feel like? And I said, well, just imagine you're walking along on a prairie. I like the prairie, so I use that as an analogy. The prairie is beautiful. The birds are flying from one tall grass stem to another. The bees are buzzing. The butterflies are floating around. The sky is clear and blue, and everything is idyllic. Then things start to change. The birds start to seem agitated. Then the birds leave. You're walking alone. You feel a tremor in the ground. And then you say, what's going on? And then you look in the horizon, and they're coming at you are 30 million buffalo, and you're in their path. And there's nowhere to hide on the prairie. You're going to get run over. And 30 million buffalo don't take a minute to run you over. They might take six years to run you over or six months but they don't run you over in a minute. And while you're in that period where they're running you over, you feel like you're in a buffalo stampede. And you in the book, you, you, you write about a character who, who's experienced this you know, type of sensation. He's literally on a prairie, um, and this happens, and he, he wakes up really truly believing, you know, I just got run over by buffalo. He feels like he got ran, physically speaking, right? He feels like he's been run over by buffalo um and and that's the thing about depression is that it's sure it's it's mental right but there's physical pain that comes along with it as well right well uh, depression works in the pain centers of your brain it's to some extent and so yes depression produces real physical pain and when the buffalo have left the pain doesn't go away when the buffalo leave think of how long it takes to recover your sense of balance after you've been overwhelmed. Uh, so that, yes, it, it, it does that. And the character in the book, uh, the book is based on a true story. And the character in the book, one of the two characters in the book, uh, is living on the prairie. Uh, and so he does have that, that first experience for him of the Buffalo Stampede gives him a reality of what he's been suffering for years already but didn't have a handle to put anything with. But now, from now on, he has the handle, and as it goes through the book, he can talk always about, I see the buffalo, I feel the buffalo coming, I feel I'm in the buffalo, uh, and so it gives him a handle on discussing his situation and, and talking about it. Now, I have not read the book, David. Is, is the, are either of these characters in the book you? Uh, both of them are me. Okay. There's, there's two characters. There's a contemporary character who lives now. And the contemporary character cannot survive in the here and now because of his problems. And so he has created a fictional character in his mind. And the fictional character in his mind also suffers from his problems. But the fictional character in his mind does things. And then the real-life character sees how his fictional character does it and is able to in some ways, act upon it and function. And the the character is me when I was. Uh, it, it deals more with my younger years than it does contemporarily. But uh, the desire to be a pastor, and the the just the multitude of obstacles that are presented to people with mental illness who want to be a pastor, the rejection, the hideous comments that are made. 
uh, it's, it's, you'd be surprised and overwhelmed by how people react and say, well, you can't be because you have this. Mm-hmm. You are not a fit Christian. You are not spiritual. You are not probably even saved. And it goes on and on and on. And I wrote this because I had some people who urged me to write it and said, you know, there's millions of people out there who are depressed, and they need somebody to offer them hope and a real story that really goes someplace and not just a, a, a nonfiction book, but to take it and put it into a story where they can relate and find themselves and find hope. So you were pastoring a small church, raising, you know, five kids, and you dealt with and experienced depression, severe depression as a younger pastor? I've suffered from depression since I was 15. Uh, and, and was there has there been a point where you were able to turn the corner on it somewhat? No, I still suffer from severe depression today. It, uh, depression is, uh, there are different kinds of depression, and one depression is uh, biochemical depression, where it's, it's a problem in your brain, uh, the same as uh, if you have diabetes, you have a problem with your pancreas. Yep, yep. And if you've got biochemical depression, there is a failure in your brain to either produce the right chemical or an overabundance of producing the wrong chemical. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of depression that I have. Okay. And so you don't turn a corner. Right. You learn to live with it and cope with it. Uh, and uh, if necessary, take medication to balance it out. But the first thing you have to do is you have to admit it. You have to be able to admit and say, I have depression. And say, I can still be a Christian and have depression. I've been doing a series of Facebook posts over the last two weeks about great Christians who've had depression. Charles Spurgeon had depression, terrible depression. William Cowper, Cooper, the great hymn writer, suffered from terrible depression, tried to commit suicide four times. David Brainerd, the great American missionary, suffered from depression, actually died of it. Today's posting was about C.S. Lewis, who suffered from depression, and Abraham Lincoln, the great Christian leader, suffered from depression and was also suicidal. We have to stop saying, well, you couldn't succeed, you can't be, because you're depressed. We have to take away that stigma and deal honestly. And then we've, if we take away that stigma from ourselves as pastors, then we can honestly deal with our congregations and not say to them terrible things. And terrible things are often said. You've put up some statistics. What percentage of pastors are struggling with depression? A survey taken a couple of years ago, says that 70% of all pastors don't know a single person that they would call their friend. They're a pastor. Their church views them as pastor. They can't, they're in small churches, many of them. They cannot make close associations because people get all fussy up if you have a friend with this person, not a good friend with that person. It can become very difficult. The absence of a good friend can make you depressed. I mean, it can contribute to depression. Sure. Uh, it can contribute, contribute to a kind of depression called psychophysical depression, sociophysical depression, actually. It, it comes from your social network and the things that happen to your body. And so it's different from biochemical depression, but it is just as real and it's just as debilitating, and it's not treated... It becomes, it can actually become, now this is something they've been discovering in the last 20 years, sociophysical depression can convert to biochemical depression if it's not treated. That's interesting. Um, I mean, and that's something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, is that as pastors, 
you need community, right? You need friends. You need people you can talk to. You need to to have those types of relationships. And this is, I mean, this is one more, this is one more level of that. And, and maybe even the most important, right, is that your uh, mental health is in some ways dependent on it. You know, doing it alone is not the plan uh, that God had for ministry, right? I don't, I don't think that it's God's plan for pastors to not have friends. And um, certainly we would encourage you if, if you uh, are struggling with depression and, and trying to pray your way out of it or trying to will your way out of it or feel such a stigma about it that you just can't even imagine opening up to, to go to a doctor um, and, and have a real conversation um, you know, if, if you can't find someone in your church to confide in or in your community, well, you know, doctors get paid to not <laughs> tell your secrets. So, uh, you know, go to the doctor. There's no uh, reason to be stigmatized about this issue. Um, Dad, how old were you when you finally kind of went to the doctor and started to, to, to get treatment for your depression? Well, uh, as recently as two years ago, you said confide in somebody in your congregation. Uh, that's a that's a tough issue in a small church, because about the time you think you can trust that person to keep their mouth shut, they don't. Because this is too juicy a tidbit to keep quiet, uh, or they'll become judgmental and they'll start looking and uh, start expecting. I think the doctor is a great place to go, and the doctor is uh, certainly helpful. I started talking to a doctor. Uh, five years ago, and that's because my daughter-in-law is a doctor. And I started sharing with her, some, my, my wife started asking me some questions in front of our daughter-in-law, and she pushed me to talk about these things to my daughter-in-law because my wife's always known I've got thoughts I shouldn't have. And I always thought they were normal. And our daughter-in-law, the doctor, said, no, Dad, these are not normal thoughts. This is not right. And so two years ago, it's only been two years ago that I've actually gone to a doctor and started getting the treatment that would have been helpful to me 40 years ago. You know, I had a an aha moment here while, while Johnny was talking after after you talked about uh, this so, sociophysical de- depression uh, yeah. can turn into biochemical depression. And I, my thought was to challenge both myself and Johnny, our listeners, all of us, really that the, the degree of our spiritual, psychological, emotional, physical health may have a direct correlation to the degree of the health of our relationships and the number of relationships that we have and the maybe the variety of relationships that we have. So, you know, Pastor, if you are feeling if you are feeling like you can hear the buffalo coming, um, think about is there a correlation to the relationships that you have. Maybe you've got a lot of negative relationships in your life and you're not balancing them out with any positive relationships. So this whole issue of, of depression, both, uh, uh, both the, the chemical kind as well as a social, socially induced uh, depression, now, like you said, David, it, it really doesn't matter which one it is. It can, it can ultimately create the same debilitating conditions in, in your life. Yes. But finding somebody that, uh, reading about it is a good thing to do, Uh, getting some information, finding that trustworthy person, and the the medical community is really a trustworthy place to go. 
even getting into a, even if it's only an internet connection with other pastors who suffer from the same problem, uh, becoming internet friends with them and chatting with them by email uh, and getting it out. I've since this, since I've come out with my depression, other pastors who have been in contact with me and uh, one man who read the book said, I never knew anybody could so honestly discuss depression and explain what it feels like as your book did. But he says he can't talk to his own pastor about it because his own pastor is one of the people that says, well, you're not spiritual because you suffer from depression. So here's a pastor of hundreds who has his own pastor that he confides in, and his own pastor says he's not a spiritual man because he's got depression. Yeah, and you know, we've wanted to do a, a podcast on, on mental health issues and mental health issues of our people in our churches and how we as pastors uh, respond to that and how we respond to our people. Uh, we haven't really done that, but this, David, this is turning into that, that type of a conversation uh, around this book that you wrote, The Birds Sang a Sad Song, which is, which is a really downer title to me, but it's very descriptive. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know the Buffalo Stampede. I didn't know the meaning of that until you shared that a few minutes ago. And speaking of the doctor, your son had to hop out of our podcast studio to take one of his boys to a, a, to a doctor's appointment, which is on the hour. And okay. I, I was included into that, and uh, we're, we're just still talking. So, but that's fine. Uh, we, don't, we don't really need Johnny anyway. You know, he can. No, I, I've talked out. to Johnny for 28 years. I suppose he can skip out for a few minutes. Well, now we actually just have wisdom in the room, right, with you and I? That's right. There you go. <laughs> Two seasoned senior pastors here. <laughs> well, you know, this is, um, for, for those of you listening, uh, I always try to, David, I always try to take what we're talking about and take it back to the small church pastor. So many of you are in places that are somewhat remote, somewhat removed. And I suppose what's even worse is if you're in a populated area, but in some ways you still feel remote and removed from people and from friends and relationships. So, you know, if you're struggling with this issue of depression, uh, David, you said, hey, go see a doctor, right? Because... The doctor, he's not gonna, he or she is not going to talk about it with anybody else, and uh, you can get some help for that. Uh, we had a situation, and someday my wife and I will come on and talk about this, but where uh, my wife has had to deal with anxiety for many years, and it took us a long time. It took us many years before we understood that we should go to a, to a doctor, you know, an MD, about this and, and talk about it, and she has received... Uh, really help that has allowed her to just be normal and just have uh, have a normal life ever since we did that. But but we didn't know. So if you're struggling with any kind of uh, you know mental mental health issues where you know mentally you're just not as healthy as you would like to be, boy, talk to a doctor about it. And then and then if you don't know anything about this stuff and you're a pastor and you're dealing with your people, uh, it would be good to just to just uh, educate yourself on recent discoveries and developments in the treatment of mental health conditions from anxiety to depression, uh, paranoia, you know, social phobia, all of these things. And we just didn't talk about it years ago. I mean, David, you're a little bit older than I am, and uh, we, we just didn't talk about this stuff. Somebody was like crazy or nuts, right? That's what we would say in our ignorance. Yeah, I'm going to share with you a story. 
a story that I relate in this book. A man wrote into a Christian periodical. This is uh, 18 years ago. I used to subscribe to this Christian periodical, but I no longer do, and you'll find out why. And this Christian periodical had a column in it called Ask the Pastor. This man wrote in and said, uh, Dear Pastor, my son is 16 and he's just been diagnosed with depression. What can I do to help him? And the pastor wrote back in that nationally distributed Christian periodical, there's nothing you can do to help him. The devil has him. Yes, he said, the devil has your boy. There's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. Now, that is uh, not good information. No, <laughs> that, no, that is not, not, uh, not helpful at all. Uh, we need better counsel. And by the way, people don't have to go. They can go to the regular family MD. Um, all medical doctors go through a psych section in their training as well. So they've all had some dealing with the psych area. And you don't have to find a a psychiatrist. Your family doctor is a place to start. Start with your doctor. Just start there. Uh, If you want to talk to me, email me. I'll be happy to respond and uh, talk back. I'll be happy to be a sounding board. People are doing that now. I didn't know I was such an authority, but I guess I wrote a book. (laughs) Well, you wrote a book, but you've also lived with it, right? You've lived with it and you've had to manage it. Yes, I've, I've had to live with it, and uh, finding a Christian community that's accepting has been very, very helpful. Finding a group of people who don't say, well, you are just um, not worthy of being a Christian leader because you have depression. And the book deals with that throughout the book, and the, the, it, it ends at that point where the young man is still searching for a ministry that will accept him. And so that's the end of book one. This is the first book of a trilogy, so I'm writing the middle of I'm right in the middle of writing book two right now, where there's a bit more hope in book two, because in book one it ends with he's hopeful that God will place him someplace, and book two, uh, you know, moves on to a more hopeful stance. Don't let the opinions of others overrule the reality of physical condition. Nobody's going to pray over the head of somebody with diabetes and say, now get off your insulin, you're healed. Nobody should, nobody should be praying over your head. Right. You no longer have biochemical depression. Take, get off your meds and get on with life. Yeah, worst thing you could do. Yes, it's, it's not a good place to go. It's not a good thing to do. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I know the statistics I was talking about uh, because of the other, because of the lack of friendship, because of the stresses, because of the inability to communicate to your people in your small churches, uh, there's not one person that you can really pick out oftentimes that can counsel the pastor. You need to have another pastor that you can trust. But if you don't, 70% of small church pastors also say that it's negatively impacting their family life. And we don't want to let that happen, negatively impact your family life. When I went to the doctor two years ago, he said, before you blow up, talk about it. Before you take any drastic action, talk about it. And so in talking about it, I found these people who wanted me to write about it. And in writing about it, and I didn't want to write about it, I had people come alongside and say, you can't give up writing about this. And three times I tore up the first, uh, first two versions of this book, I just tore up. Hmm. It, was, it was just too hard. And I didn't want to pursue the third book because it was just too hard. Uh, because it's honest. <laughs> it's yeah. nakedly honest about how people feel, but that seems to be what the people who read it are appreciating. I had a woman say, 
my husband suffered from depression all the years we were married, and I never understood him until now. Imagine 40 years of being married to somebody and didn't understand them, but now they do. Yeah, that's, that's tragic, and it's happening. It's happening. And we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors who listen to our podcast. And if even a dozen or 25 or 50 of you uh, think that you are experiencing this or someone that you love and maybe even live with is experiencing this, yeah, your MD. Uh, online, there's all kinds of different groups and support areas uh, where you can talk to others and you can read and share stories. To, to suffer and to go through this kind of stuff alone, that makes the dark place pitch dark, right? Even darker. Right. I had a pastor friend 20 years ago. I had a pastor friend. He was pastoring another small church not, not far from where I lived, and we'd gotten to know each other. He committed suicide. My wife said to me at that time, David, you're not thinking of the same thing, are you? <laughs> and I said, well, it certainly has occurred to me, but I didn't go for help. Hmm. I just thought I could tough this out. Yeah. But when he left his wife and small children behind, and his kids were the same age as my kids, and I looked at my kids and I thought, my, I know how he felt. I know why he did that. But how could he do it? You don't have to. You don't have to suffer. Taking drastic steps is not the way to get out of suffering. The most drastic step you can take is go to see your doctor. Some, you know, some wives have never been told by the husbands that their husbands suffer from depression. Hmm. Some husbands have never even bared them, their soul to their wife because it's such a painful issue they don't know how to talk about it. If you want to talk about this, if you want to just have a pastor that will listen and uh, understand, and I, I know nobody, uh, so I can't talk to anybody about your problem. Yeah. <laughs> You're safe with me. Right. <laughs> How's that? That's great. And you know, so, and, and I hope that if you're listening and you're dealing with this, I hope take advantage of this because uh, you know Johnny because you hear Johnny every week, and this is Johnny's dad. Man, get a hold of David. I mean, here's a guy that's got the wisdom of years, uh, the experience of actually going through it himself, and and the heart of of a shepherd who actually cares about others. So here's a guy that you could connect with, and if you go to David C. Craig and that C R. A-I-G, davidccraig.net, you can get some contact information and get a hold of him. And, David, thank you for offering to do that for our listeners. I'm glad. How I minister to the church today is a little bit different than I used to, but I have uh, found that I'm enjoying my new way that God is providing me to minister, and this is one of them. So, David, where are your books available? You've written five or six, and uh, are they all in one spot? You can get them all on my website, which is davidccraig.net. My books are also available on Amazon.com. They're all available in Kindle and in paperback. Well, just for fun, David, just for fun, and we haven't talked about this ahead of time, And do you have any like embarrassing, funny stories about little boy Johnny growing up? Oh, you know, there's not time. <laughs> there's not time. <laughs> uh, they, they are... Far, far too many. Uh, like what's the one? What is like the one? The one Johnny story that rises maybe above the others. One Johnny story. Well, he had a little friend uh, that lived around the corner from us, and one night they were out riding their bikes in the snow, and they found, I think they found a little kitten out in the snow, and they saw this house where uh, the lights were on, 
So they put the kitten between the screen door, the storm door, and the inside door. And people came to the door because they heard somebody messing with their storm door, and they opened it up, and this cat goes screeching into the house. <laughs> and their dog went crazy and goes chasing after the cat. Now they got, a, they got this big animal fight going on in their house, and they called the police. And the police followed the tire tracks of the bikes back to the parsonage where we were living. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? And that's, and that's where Johnny started his record. That's where his record of crime <laughs> started. Oh, wow. That was, uh, you don't like to, you don't like to see the police lights floating in the driveway of the parsonage, but. (laughs) Oh man. So did he come out and have to like, did the police speak to him? Yeah. They, they spoke to him and they asked him why he would do such a thing. He says, well, the poor kitten, the poor kitten was going to be so cold. I couldn't leave it out in the cold. I mean, he did it out of tender heart. Johnny's the most tender hearted person you will ever find. He's the bleeding heart is what he is. <laughs> he, he just, he's just so compassionate. It, it's overwhelming and it overwhelmed the family who had a pet fight, an animal fight in their living room, knocking stuff over and chasing around. And, uh, yeah, but that's Johnny. He didn't do it maliciously, but uh, that's the kind of thing that he could do and uh, stir up interesting responses. Well, David, it's really good to talk to you. There are other things we could talk about, uh, but, you know, judgment is going to allow me to just not talk about it because it is okay. about Johnny and maybe, you know, <laughs> when the recording ends. Uh, but, no, seriously, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us today and talking about this issue of depression how important it is and how tragic it is when it's just allowed to run roughshod uh, over people, especially today in this day and age when there's, there's opportunities for help, there's treatment, uh, there's, there's from counseling to medication uh, to just lifestyle changes. And boy, just don't deal with this in a, in a way that you're just left hopeless. So again, it's uh, davidccraig.net. Hey, thank you very much, David. All right. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Well, Johnny, I had fun talking with your dad at the end there and just kind of having that private time yeah. to have that conversation. Well, I'm so glad that I could leave so that you could get that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fun talking about you with your dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who gets that opportunity? So um, what, what, do you, what do you remember about your dad, like that you could share, you know, about this whole issue of depression like growing up, did you like as a kid? Did you like even have any idea? You know, that's that he the was thing. struggling with his stuff. That's the thing is no, no idea, and and I don't think he he just he denied it for so long. Uh, and if you if you talk to him now about it, he says that, and he said, you know, I I thought maybe this is just I figured maybe this is what it was like that everybody had these thoughts, everybody had these feelings, and and then Jackie, my mom, said no. No, they don't. Like, go to the doctor. And he's become, in the last five, six years, so much more open about his journey. He he wrote, he's written books. Uh, he wrote a couple books, a, a book series kind of around the idea of depression. And um, yeah, I the story I could tell is that I, I remember I was driving in my car and I was talking to my dad and he first introduced that idea of uh, depression feels like the buffalo, you know, trampling you and and everything feels fine, but you start to feel the rumbles in the earth, and you start to, you know, you start to know something's going to happen soon, and then bam, it just hits you. And that, I mean, that's a vivid picture. 
And I remember, I remember where I was driving when I had that conversation with him. And that was probably the beginning of us having kind of our most open conversations that we've ever had um, around that subject, around that topic. And, and it's told, it's taught me a lot about depression. I, it's helped me counsel people through the, you know, not through depression, but through, you know, them admitting that they have depression and struggle and, so it, it's good to be open about your journey, and I'm glad that he has been, uh, and and I'm glad that after all those years, he's you know he's really seeking out the the medicine that he needs and the help that he needs. So how about you? If you are struggling with depression, and you 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 can hear the sense the stampede is you know coming across the the prairie at you, uh, what are you going to do about it? Maybe it's been long enough. You know, maybe you have to say. Enough is enough, and I'm going to make an appointment to see my doctor, and I'm just going to be honest with him or her and, and let them know what I've been struggling with. You know, God has given, God has given us as people great resources to help each other yeah. out through the medical community. We would just encourage you, make an appointment with your doctor. You know, your primary care physician, that should be, that should be your first stop. I mean, yeah, if you want to talk to pastor friends or if you're not a pastor and want to talk to your pastor— that's fine, but your pastor and me as a pastor, I'm not qualified no. to tell people that they have a chemical imbalance. Right, a you medical know? professional needs yeah. to make those. Yeah, and I'm not qualified to read the tea leaves of symptoms that people have. <laughs> right, you know, and understand that whether this is a psychological thing or a spiritual thing, right, or a psychospiritual or a physical or a physiological or a right. neurological. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. In in the society that we live in where stuff is so, you know, crazy sometimes. This this what John Finkeldy called the time poor society. Right. You know, it it stresses us and sometimes it takes these these things in us and it and it makes them worse and it, yeah. and it just inflames uh, maybe some mental health issues that we may already have. Yeah. So, you know, Johnny, I know that I, I can speak for you in this. We want you, our listeners, we want you as pastors, men and women, we want you to get help. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to suffer through that darkness, through that pit of loneliness, of despair, of hopelessness. You know, step out of that. Step into uh, the light of your primary care physician and start there yeah. and see if you just need something to help you get through uh, to be able to get better. Yeah, my dad for so long tried to muscle through, tried to, you know, tried to say it wasn't a big deal, wasn't an issue, and, and now he's so much happier that he's had those conversations. And we would encourage you to as well. So this has been a best of episode. This has been one of the top episodes we feel that we've ever created. We hope that it's been helpful and useful and encouraging to you. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.